You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse and along with our producer Alex Diaz. Welcome to the show this morning. Good morning Alex. Alex is all thumbs up. He was just rushing off the phone. How are you this morning Alex? Oh and Keeping there's some... right, Thank you. <laughs> We've well. caught him in between duties here. <laughs> do- doing well. There's nothing like live radio huh? Yeah. Okay, so it's going to be a fun show today. And I've actually got my daughter sitting across from me. I'm taking her back to school. She's heading off to write her final exam of the year. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun. We got a busy studio going on here. Everything good, Alex? Oh, very exciting. Oh, yeah. Alex is going away on holidays in a few yes, days. Yes, in a few days I'm going to Montreal to visit my family. Nice, nice, yes. nice time over the holiday season to to reconnect and and reboot for sure. For sure, exactly. We are live today on our show. It's our last live show of. 2017, we do have two tape shows. I'll remind you again at the end of the show, but we do have two tape shows, brand new tape shows that will be coming to you through the holiday season, so you don't have to miss anything. We are with you, even if we are not live with you. Now, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, in our sort of foodie segment, or my, my tips for you, about the upcoming holiday season. And there's no question that overindulging at this time of year is almost a given, and I wanted to to give you a few tips to help you keep your, your health going along the track, especially if you've been working really hard throughout the year. You don't want things to go off the rails in a matter of two or three weeks. So I just want to give you a few of of some things that I do to try. And I, I must say, I, I, I indulge. There's no question. It's, it's all about balance. That's the sage advice is it's all about balance. But there are some tips that, that I implement um, when I'm going out or when I know there's going to be a lot of foods. So I, I want food and drink. So I want to I want to pass them along to you, and maybe you can use one or two to to help keep things uh, in check for you. So the first one, the most important one for me, is keeping hydrated. Hydrating uh, not only gives you a, a great sense of fullness. We often confuse our hunger for actually hydration, but hydration gives you a good sense of fullness, and it also will help to detoxify. And if you are at a party where you are having maybe a glass of wine or two, drinking in between is vital because alcohol is dehydrating. So don't overindulge in the alcohol, but um, if, if you are having some, some alcohol, make sure you're keeping hydrated. It also helps you to sleep. Have a healthy snack before you go out. If you go to parties, you know, there are lots of great desserts and lots of, of calorie-filled foods. So having a little snack, even an apple before you leave, mm-hmm. can, can help you bypass the dessert table or at least not fill your plate. You know, uh, and also I find that if you don't snack and then if you go to someone's house or you go out, the meals tend to come at a later time in the evening when you're not True. used to eating. And then when you feel extra hungry, that's when you overindulge and you go over the top with some of the things that you wouldn't necessarily 
That's necessarily right. eat. So and, and eating late at night, you're absolutely right, Alex. Eating late at night can be a dog for trying to sleep and and get your rest. And that's another tip is to try and take you know keep your sleep patterns. It's not going to happen all the time, but resting and sleeping and you know making sure that you're giving your body a chance to detoxify and and get the energy it needs to carry on for you know day four of your of your happy holiday season is important another thing we've talked about this before is chewing your food if you take the time to chew your food you will not eat as much it's just Mm. a straight line between the two so get food chew your food Take the time between chewing and talking and, you know, merriment. You can make sure that your plate isn't always full of food. So that's another important one, too. And as best as possible, keep up your exercise routine. It's and That's a challenge. It is a challenge. You don't have to go to the gym, you know, if, if, if it's very busy. You know, we take yeah. off as well. So, you know, I don't, I don't get a chance to do my regular workout. Mm-hmm. But just taking a walk outside. You know, when the weather is cold and you're walking outside, you do burn a few calories. You know, your body temperature tries to, to maintain its warmth and it, it is helpful. And I do like walking in the winter. We're not talking about, you know, running a marathon, but these are things just to try and remember to do. But enjoy the season for sure. It comes once a year and now's the time to be with the people that you love and, and really celebrate, hopefully, a, a, wonderful, a wonderful year. So on to today's show. Parenting is is an ever-evolving, changing hobby, not a hobby, a career. There's nothing more um, gratifying and also nothing more dog-tired, mind-bending, involving than parenting. And parenting is, is one of the, you know, one of the things with parenting is that it's ever-evolving. I've raised four children. I, I consider them raised. They're, they're, well, my youngest is almost 19. So everything is put into place as best as we can do. And now we stand along, along the sidelines and coach them along. But I had challenges that my parents didn't have. And my kids will definitely have challenges that I didn't have. You know, you hope that they try and instill the basics, but there are so many other things because of the way life is, is changing, the mm-hmm. busyness, so many different aspects are, are just different. Social media, for one thing, is much different now. It wasn't existing when I was a kid. You know, when I was a kid, I had my, my group of friends, mm-hmm. and we connected by phone, or we saw each other in school. Now, these kids know each other from, you know, well, people are still connecting by phone, but it's not the same way. No. It's more done by text thumb. and Snapchat and yeah. what else is out there. I'm not even sure myself. Oh, it's not voice but initiated. It's thumb it, initiated. Exactly. And, you know, and they know so many people. I mean, their exposure is so much more than what I was exposed to. And what my own children were, you know, as a, as a younger, I've my kids are, are close together, the first three, and then the younger one is uh, five years five years apart mm-hmm. and there's a huge difference uh, between Madeline and the other ones and their social media involvement. So a lot of challenges and I am so excited to have our guest on the show today. Our guest is Allison Schaefer and she is a therapist, a TV personality, author, columnist, spokesperson, educator, and she's a consultant. She is one of Canada's most notable parenting experts and serves as a resident expert on national outlets such as The Marilyn Dennis Show, Huffington Post Parents Canada, and CBC Radio. 
An internationally acclaimed parenting expert, Allison empowers families by sharing her principles, rules, and tools for raising happy and healthy kids. Her style is fast, witty, warm, and encouraging. And I know this for a fact. I've talked to Allison briefly, and she is so engaging, so warm. You feel like you've been friends with her for forever. You're going to love her. Um, she delivers deep insights in ways that today's busy parents can easily understand and apply immediately. Allison is the best-selling author of Breaking the Good Mom Myth, Honey, I Wrecked the Kids, which is just awesome, and her latest, Ain't Misbehaving, which have been translated into Russian, Korean, Bulgarian, and Chinese. She is an international speaker, including the inaugural TEDx Kids in Brussels. Do stay tuned. We are going to have a fantastic show. We will be back with Allison right after our break. Long-awaited, precious promise, Son of God and Son of Man. Heaven's glory in a manger has come to us in Bethlehem,
Welcome back, everybody. We are live today. You can call in if you'd like to speak with Allison, 416-245-1534. You can follow us on Instagram at the Health Hub RMC. And if you are on Instagram live right now, you can hashtag family time if you want to join the conversation. And you can hashtag family time on Twitter at Kathy underscore Biase. And we will put your comments on or we will we will address them at when the show is done. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. You can also email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. Allison, welcome to the show. Kathy, thank you for having me on. Oh, it's, it's, you know what? It's such a pleasure. I have been really looking forward to it today. I've even got my daughter in studio. You know what? She's going to learn bright and early on how to raise a kid. And you're going to teach her right now. Just bypass the parents, hand them over to Allison. Yeah, there you go. Auntie Allison will take care of you. Yeah. Like dog training. I'll just send them back. Yeah. Paper oh, my <laughs> gosh. Only, I met right? you far too late in life. <laughs> Well, I do have to tell you a funny story about that, Kathy. Actually, um, I was already a parent educator teaching parenting classes when I got a dog. And I signed up for obedience classes. And they were three to five times more expensive than my parenting classes. (laughs) And yet when I went, I was like basically, you know, doing the same things. And I thought, that's it. I'm changing the price. I'm never going to be a species. It should cost the same to learn how to discipline and guide your child properly through life as it is to teach your dog. (laughs) Do you still have a dog? Oh, you know what? For the whole time my kids grew up, I did, and we just had to put her down recently. But she was a lovely Portuguese water dog. Oh, very nice. We have two dogs, and yeah, you know what? I, I but with the kids though, you can you can teach them to stop biting a lot quicker than we can teach my little dog to to get his temper under control. It's 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 not an easy thing. Dogs, kids, you know, their behavior no, modification but, is <laughs> is difficult. Well, it, it's it, it's interesting because um, you know we are as if we compare ourselves to other animals. Human beings are social creatures. We, we want to live in herds. We want to live in packs. In our case, we call it the family or the classroom or our peer group. But we're incredibly motivated to, to find our place of belonging and significance and to, to fit in, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really what parenting is. Parenting is, is socializing a child so that they can function in the other social groups that they'll be in for the rest of their lives, whether that's, again, in the classroom or in the workplace. Um, and, and that's proven to be more challenging recently because back in the old days, the workplace and society was very hierarchical. It was ruled by the king. You know, he chopped your head off if he didn't like you. <laughs> and, and everything was based on conformity and obedience. And, you know, the Industrial Revolution, you, were, you know, you worked on the line. Mm-hmm. And now our societies are all about cooperation and teams and sharing information, collaboration, and um, cooperation. And, and parents don't know how to use these, these new parenting techniques to raise cooperative kids as opposed to obedient kids. So it, it's it's very interesting times in the, in the world of parenting. Well, the social media alone, I mean, my goodness, when my kids started with their apps and the this and then that, uh, they weren't allowed to have one until I understood it. That flew out the window within about six months. Because you can't keep up. Uh, you can't. Right? You can't keep up with everything. You know, I thought, hey, I'm cool. I'm on Instagram. Well, we're no longer there, man. We're on Snapchat. And it's like, you know, and yeah, it's... that's what you missed that 13 seconds of... Yeah. Exactly. And my kids are older, so... I, it's not, it hasn't been as bad. I feel for these parents, you know, who did not grow up with the social media and these kids are, how do you socialize these kids who are already so social? Yeah, well, and and it's about how we're social, which is really important. 
Um, I just came back from a week-long conference in, in California, and the um, it was attended by 7,500 psychotherapists. And the people doing the presenting were the biggest names in our field. So we'll basically go to any self-help section of Chapters Indigo. And if there's an author there, they were presenting at Mm -hmm. our conference, you know. Um, And and even though there was hundreds of sessions, the, the theme, you can see it again and again and again, was all around relationship and social connection and the need for that and what works and what doesn't and how we attempt it and where we fail at it because that's really the backbone of mental health. And social media, to your point, you know, you can have 2,000 friends on Facebook or how many people following you on Instagram, but there it does not necessarily mean that it is providing what the human brain needs in mm-hmm. terms of feeling a sense of connection with another human being. So in a sense, we're more social than we've ever been, and we have never been more isolated and lonely. Wow. And we really, ha- we really have to, to um, keep social media in its place and not let it rule our lives because um, it will have negative mental health consequences. We've already, we've certainly already seen it. It's good. I mean, I love technology. Yeah. Um, but if it becomes a replacement for in, in face person to person connection, um, you know, that our bodies change when we're when we're in connection with other people. Think about this. Maybe your daughters that have been in college and university can attest to this. You know, girls start sharing a dorm room together and they start menstruating on the same cycle. Mm-hmm. When women are in the presence of men, the men's testosterone goes up. I mean, we biologically influence one another by being present with another person. And certainly as we're looking now, I I do a whole workshop on co-regulation and self-regulation where we regulate each other. That's how we calm and soothe and love each other. And we need to be in in presence. It's, it's eye contact, it's facial expressions, it's human touch, it's chemistry in it that's being exchanged. And you just can't do that. All that doesn't translate online across a device. Well, when the, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, this comes up many times, the mental aspect and mental health. How do you then, you know, you must have had to change your style with the advent of social media. How do you raise a confident kid within, within this social media sphere that can be so, uh, you know, not real? Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it's not that I, I I'm not anti-social media. Mm-hmm. I enjoy no, I it. I use it, but it's it's um, a tool for 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 fun and education, as opposed to being the, the backdrop of my entire life. But we're older. So I, yeah, right. Well, I do think yeah. that we need to help kids understand that just as we were before in a manufacturing economy, we are now in an attention economy. Everybody is fighting for your attention. The teacher wants you to look at the blackboard. Your friends want you to text back. Um, uh, you're getting pinged a notification so that you'll follow something and buy some online whatever. Click here. And it's creating um, a world where we don't have a sense of agency. And, and they have studied our minds. They know, gamers know exactly how often to make a dopamine hit so that you'll keep playing the game. So I think we have to educate kids on how it's a bit of a, uh, uh, what's the word to say? It's like trickery. I like to tell them it's trickery Mm -hmm. and you need to outsmart 
your your addiction to your phone if you want to survive. And so helping kids create limits and boundaries, and this is, again, part of co-regulation, they're not going to be able to say no after the third hour of Minecraft. So we have to say, I'm sorry, we need to put the game down to have a well-balanced life. What are some other things that you enjoy? Um, and, and then when they get upset, we'd have to be willing to stand in the face of that protest and say, I know you love it. I know you're competent at it. I know it's your favorite hobby, but we need to do other things now. And then in, enforce that limit and boundary, just the same way if they said they wanted cotton candy for breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't need to stand in a position of saying, I know you do. It's sweet. It's sugary. You love it, but it's not healthy. So cotton candy is for special occasions. Today you have a choice of, you know, a bagel and cream cheese or cereal. So you're, you're so reasoning think, with children. Well, I think that the, I, the word discipline comes from disciple to teach. And so if we don't educate kids, we're really not moving them forward. I mean, we might be able to constrain their behavior in one second, but we're not preparing them for what to do differently or how to be successful at life. So I, I think it's, it's not sufficient and, in fact, harmful to just use punishment or rewards to control behavior. I really want to explain contextually so that when I'm not around looking over their shoulder, um, that they can function well in life without me. So this starts from the moment they're out of the womb. Birth. <laughs> okay. It, it really does start at birth. You know, even breastfeeding is cooperative. If you think about it, you cry. I respond to your cry. Your your crying has created a release of hormones in me that allows for milk letdown. This is what I mean about you know how we co co connect this way. And then I nurse and feed you. Um, that's that's an act of cooperation right there between two human beings. And so um, from there on, it gets, goes to your toddler. You can put your toys in the basket after you're done playing with them. And we don't get up and down from the table. And we need to wash our hands before we eat. And there's a lot of education in the younger years. But but And you, you opened with, us, with this, which I thought was so beautiful. Our parenting shifts. As, as our kids get older, and I, I talk about this in my series called Family Talk. If people are interested, it's um, on my YouTube channel. I've got a bunch of YouTube videos. And the Family Talk series is all about preventing underage drinking. But one of the pieces that's so p- important about that is that when kids are little, we take an educative teacher-type approach. But as they hit the adolescent years, we we have to become the coach, just as you said. Like, we, we, we need to... W- Say you've got a smart brain, you're discovering your personality, you're discovering what independence and autonomy looks like. I can't interfere with that, but I can stand at the sidelines while you practice life and I can coach you through success rather than saying, you're flubbing it, let me drive this airplane, um, you know, you're going to smash. If we try to take over our kids' life in the adolescent years, they're, they're going to just eject us from the plane, and then we have no hope of being an effective parent. And many parents don't make this transition, and, and this is where we see a lot of family breakdown happens with our adolescents. So we need to switch into that coaching role. And then if we do that well, then by the time the kids get to be your age, Kathy, we're more like sage counsel, you know? Like they'll come to us for, for wisdom, pearls of wisdom, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those three distinct phases happen. Isn't it funny how our wisdom goes in that middle phase, though? <laughs> no, they, because they want to tell us how wise they are. Uh, yeah. So they don't want to hear any more about how wise we are. They want to show us how wise they are. Um, and they're going to make mistakes, and that's so painful for parents. But those mistakes are learning opportunities. And if you feel like your parent loves you and that you have, have their back, 
then then they will recover and learn from mistakes. And so in the, in the case of underage drinking, you know, I say, okay, you know what? I picked you up. You were drunk at the party, even though you know it's against the law and it's against our family values. Clearly something went off the rails there. What do we need to do to ensure that that mistake doesn't happen in the future? And we process it as in a future orientation. You know, so you failed the, the, the test that you're studying for. You said your daughter's got an exam. You know, oh, so, you, you know, you wanted to, to get a 68% and you only got a 52 or whatever. You know, what, what happened there? let's reflect on that you know what could you do differently you know and it might be oh you know I didn't give myself enough time to study or I gave too much time and attention to course material that wasn't on the test I have to figure out how to study more balanced Um, whatever it might be it's that opportunity to do self-reflection and make a plan for the future and you can do that if you're in a good relationship with your parent but if you're afraid that they're going to yell at you or they're going to take away your your (laughs) your laptop your, your your social media then you've got a kid who's going to lie about their marks or going to deceive you or, or, you know, they're going to try to duck around the house rules. And that's a far worse outcome. But what happens when, you know, things that are out of, it's probably the same thing you're going to tell me, but, you know, they get into the wrong group of friends. I mean, I think parents sometimes react because they're frightened. Oh, I, I think fear is a big motivator for almost every bad choice, whether it's a parent or a child, we're really motivated by fear. And I think what ends up happening is it sort of backfires on us because we're fearful they're going to fall to the wrong crowd. So then we forbid them or again, try to control them. And then they rebel against that control. And they're more likely to, to spite us and say, you know, I'm going to doubly hang around with these people. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones who understand me and my, I'm going to, prove to my parents that they can't make choices like that for me. And instead, you know, so now they're, now they're triply entrenched in this friend group. Instead, what I want to do is reflect back to them. You know, I've been noticing that since you've been hanging out with these guys, you know, you come home kind of agitated, you know, um, what, what kind of qualities are you looking for in a good friend? Um, You know, or, uh, you know, you seem to have a lot of drama when you text with this group of girls um, it always seems to lead to tears and, and lack of sleep and frustration for you. You know, what kind of qualities do you look for in, in, in your friendships that, you know, could, and who else has those qualities? If but we, if we make a mistake in that, in that relationship, if, you know, I, I, I don't know how it all goes. I can only look at my own family dynamic, but it would definitely be more me with my kids having a harder, um, having a, a break in a relationship, sort of the, the, a lot of the punishment and, and discipline has has shifted onto uh, to me, um, yeah. and that's just the way you know. I guess my husband was brought up, and I was. But is it repairable, Allison? If you make some huge parenting mistakes, especially in those oh, middle gosh. years, yes. I, I you know I would uh, I tell parents that the wonderful thing about being a human being is our adaptability and our ability to change, and. Um, how we recover from mistakes is really what's important. What an incredible thing to be able to model that to our children, to be able to say, you know what, I'm just a humble human being. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I have my baggage from my childhood. But I, but I recognize now that things could have gone differently, that things could be better. But just be, be kind to me. I'm trying to be kind to myself because I don't always do it right. I, I can be reactive. Um, but you're the most important thing to me. So I, I really want to do a do-over or I really want to make a better try 
or, or help me understand so that I can be more empathetic about why this is important to you. And, and if I can't get it, then let's go to a counselor and sit down together because this is the most important thing to me, how, how we get on. I think that's a beautiful thing to show a child. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. We have to take a break, Allison, for a couple of minutes. But when we come back, something that I really want to talk about, because I think it's so prevalent with young families, is that lack of family time. So we're going to take a couple of minutes, and we're going to come back, and maybe we can jump into that topic. So we'll be right back Great. on the Health Hub with Allison Schaefer. God rest you, Mary, gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. In Bethlehem in Israel this blessed faith was born And laid within a manger upon this blessed morn The witch's mother Mary did nothing take in scorn Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Fear nothing, said the angel, and nothing you will find This day is born a savior of a pure virgin Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are live today. You can follow us on Instagram at the Health Hub RMC. You can hit me up on Twitter at Kathy underscore Biase. We are on Facebook and our email address is THH at RadioMaria.ca. Talk about social media, eh, Allison? Uh, we, we're, <laughs> we're back with Allison Schaefer, uh, international expert on parenting and acclaimed author. Thank you, Allison. Um, let's jump into family time. I know we don't have enough family time, and I imagine it's just getting worse and worse as generations move on. 
It's true. We um, There's been some interesting research from Vanier Institute of the Family here in Canada about how much time we spend together and about even just meals, you know, we've pretty much lost breakfast and uh, lunch together. And now hardly anyone's having dinner. We're so busy trying to enrich our kids with, you know, tutoring and extracurricular activities and sports and whatnot. And all of that enrichment is cutting out of time just at home. Um, and it's not just the kids' activities, it's parents too. I think we'll, we're seeing that in a city with high housing prices, more parents are commuting, that it takes two incomes so people aren't home. Um, and so now we're just, we're really not having very much time together. And because a lot of the time that is together is trying to like get us out somewhere else or trying to get homework done, the quality of that time is is also awful because we're yelling at each other. You know, sit down and do your math homework. Sit down and do your piano practice. Get in the car with your hockey equipment. <laughs> um, and so we're not we're not really enjoying one another's company when we finally get together anywhere. It's just it's just all drudgery. Mm-hmm. There's a best selling book called um, All um, oh, what, oh gosh, I'm going to get the title wrong now. Uh, something like all all fun and no joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it basically <laughs> says that it's it's a, parenting is a soulful activity. We would all say that it's altruistic to raise kids, but but none of us are having any fun at it. Where if you know if you looked into all the houses around the city at night, like it's just, nobody's smiling mm-hmm. and nobody plays on the street anymore, and you know that's no. all gone. We and we really have to make a move back to some of the basic conditions, those foundational pieces. If you really say what the kids need, that that homework should be washing dishes with siblings and shoveling the driveway with mom and dad, and you know playing Monopoly, that, that playing Scrabble. That's homework. That's how you learn how to spell. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I really think that we've done a great disservice in in having this scarcity mentality that makes us think that only the cream of the crop, the most advanced kids are going to get, you know, into colleges and get placements and be successful in life. And therefore, we better make sure we've got some advantage over the next person. It makes us incredibly competitive, makes us miserable. Um, it, it really doesn't speak to, to what we truly need for for our happiness, not for our kids' happiness, not for our own happiness. Just being together at home in a non-time-stressed way, in in a way that free-form play and spontaneity comes forth, that memories are made and connections are bonded and people feel loved and seen, feel safe and secure. Those basic pieces, Maslow's hierarchy of need, those basic things are not being met in our family. And, And again, I think this speaks to um, anxiety and depression, and even when everybody's home, look at—they're all in their own room with their own. They're watching their own TV shows on their own laptops. You know, back in my day, you know, you, you sat in the TV room if you were going to watch TV, and you were—you had to watch Dad's dumb old TV show or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, um, or you had to come up with some lottery system for what you were going to watch because there was only one show on. Now everyone's got Netflix; they just go to their room, do their Netflix, and binge. We're, you know, we're not—we're not together anymore. So, how do you change that, Allison? I really think it starts with parents um, being more uh, hopeful about their agency to, to bring about change, to really step up and be a leader in the family, to decide what they want their family to look like, and then go for it, you know, to, to, to be willing to implement it. Um, you know, like, I don't watch television. It's very interesting. If you don't, it's not to say that I 
I'm not exposed to television, um, but I got a million other things I would rather do in the evening. And I think parents would be very surprised if they went first and said, hey, you know what? Does anybody want to play Scrabble? Does anyone want to help me on my, I'm working on a jigsaw puzzle. You put a jigsaw puzzle out and you watch how many people get attracted to coming over and putting a few puzzle pieces in. I, you know, I think we need to start, you know, sit down and start playing double solitaire and you like, just jump in and see who you attract. Invite them. Say, yeah. you know, I, I miss you. I'm having a great time. It's funny. You know, we went to visit my niece in Ottawa a few weekends ago, and she was so excited to take us out to this social club and she didn't really tell us what it was about. And we got there and the lineup was so long. And, um, you know, she went in, we went in to see the place and, and we couldn't get in because it was too full. And I said, well, what is it? You know what they had? They had board games out all over the place. And these were, uni- yeah. we were in university, the heart of university town and these university kids and it was packed and it was not electronic board games. It was Monopoly. It was Kerplunk. All of these games set out on a table and you couldn't find room in there. It's amazing how much, and it's, it's, it's not that it's just retro is cool. This is, pe- people get it experientially. It's, it's, it's like we have forgotten that we love this stuff. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying if parents say, you know what, I am, I am going to, you know, say that where there's a cap on extracurriculars, you know, you can each pick one, pick your favorite, um, or to say, you know what, we're going to have at least one night a week where we're all home together, this family fun night, or whatever it might be. Just make a start. And and even if the kids moan, and they will in the beginning, even if they moan, after day two, day three, week four, month five, they're going to start saying, wow, I really like my family. Actually, my friends want to come over for board game night. But if you just wait for the first moan and say, no, nah, I tried it. My kids didn't like it. You're not going to get anywhere. You know, it's so, so stick to your guns. Take a leadership role. Know that it's important and, and just be dedicated to it. I'm wondering if they're learning, though. I wonder if our, I, I remember, you know, like, for instance, this time of year, Christmas, it was just, just never seemed to come. The hours just were, they were just slow, <laughs> so slow to pass. And my kids are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's here. I'm not prepared. All of them. And, you know, I've heard out of the mouths, my one son is, is engaged, going to be married. And I've heard out of them that they are going to do things differently. I've said, you know, the mistake we made was not giving chores, was not giving, you know, we were too busy. It's easier for me to yeah. do it and let's get out of the house. I'm wondering if they're learning um, that life is too busy. It, it just, you know, <laughs> my daughter and her boyfriend pulled out a jigsaw puzzle and they started doing that. So maybe they're going to be smarter than us. Well, I do think that the millennials got a really bad rap. Um, most people think of them as being entitled and, you know, there's just, there's so much that they get smeared with. But really, if you speak to the people that are, uh, generations professionals, they will say that they're actually um, much more uh, socially interested, uh, much more charity-based. They live deeper by their values. Um, you know, I do think that we're going to see that, that, that they are going to look at the research, that they're going to they're see that we are too busy and that people are recommending this is like part of the slow movement, the simple movement, the um, minimizing movement. The Hugay was the big thing last year, which is the um, Nordic, uh, cozy, comfy kind of a movement. And now I'm, I'm seeing that the big fad for this Christmas is all these books on Logum, which is another Nordic um, phenomena. But it's all around. The Nordic countries are the happiest countries in the world, according to the UNICEF assessment of the 39 most developed countries. And so it's kind of like, well, what are they doing over there? Well, you know, they're having small, simple, cozy, warm <laughs> 
times together. And our millennials are going to study that and say, that's smart. I, you know, I Googled it online. I followed the hashtag who gay happiness. And, and now I'm putting that in my life and doing jigsaw puzzles. How do you so spell who gay? Right. I think H Y G G E. Okay. I would not have felt that right. Interesting. I got to look that up myself. You know, my daughter you said do. not I to. Follow the hashtag. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, we can learn too. You know, maybe one day we'll have grandkids that we can sort of help. So, you know, we can set up the nice little space for them, the hygge. But my daughter actually, not too long ago, I don't know if you recall that ice storm that we had. We lost our power for three days. So we were all downstairs with the fire on. And she said, that was so fun because we went back to the board games and the, you know, simple way of being. And it was lovely. That is a perfect example for those parents that are listening that want to know about how to get it started. Did, did you have that twin, that time without the power? Do you remember the ice storm? Or in my case, I, I, we did lose power too, but also, um, you know, I take my kids camping every year and they will say that some of their greatest memories was, was camping and there was nothing but us. It was all just, you know, getting the fire started and having a meal and going swimming and there was no distraction of anything else. And so if you can just recall, or even the people that are getting ready for Christmas, what do you like about Christmas? You can bet the kids are not going to say their fond memory is them all and standing in line. Their, their memory is going to be about all those family traditions. And you can say, you know, we don't have to save those traditions up just for Christmas. We can make a tradition that happens once a week where we have our family fun time or whatever. Um, so kids thrive on tradition. And we just, we need to, to add more of those to our family life together for sure. I agree. What is the most common, um, not complaint, but challenge that you find parents have? Is it one of these things, you know, when people come to see you, is it, is it the family time? Is it the stress or what, what are parents struggling with the most right now? Oh, it's a great question. Um, I would say that um, a lot of parents are worried about their kids' anxiety, for sure. We, we do have a lot of anxious kids. Um, and anxious parents, too, by the way, you know, who really just want to know, how do you do it? The experts are all in disagreement. I, I've read too many books. There's too many websites. I don't know how to do it. I'm confused. Uh, so I think there's anxiety uh, is a big issue. But I would say the other one is really about um, power struggles. You, you know, when we don't get along with our kids and it turns into a fight, and that looks different at different ages, but it still comes down to a power struggle. So whether you have a young child who is a toddler who refuses to eat and he is a picky eater or won't brush his teeth or refuses to get in the car when it's time to go to daycare or whether that is an older child who is, um, you know, refusing to practice their lessons or refusing to, um, you know, just this week, refusing to, to look after their hygiene. That's a good classic one. You know, won't brush their hair, won't shower. Um, you know, or, ta- or a teenager that's talking back and rolling and being nippy and rude to their parent. Um, these are all forms of, of protest, rebellion, and uh, an uprising of power. And this comes down to how we kind of opened the show, Kathy, where, you know, we have, for most of the history of North American Western society, we have raised our kids in a slave tyrant style of relating to one another. And most of the time, parents w- could use corporal punishment, and so we could stay in the position of, of tyrant and make the kids slave to our, our orders. But in recent times, as, as social equality is spreading and kids are understanding that they deserve to be treated with respect, they're starting to push back. 
they're, you know, they're saying, you can't treat me that way. I know I decide for me. You, you can't make me. And so the child is now becoming the uh, tyrant in a lot of the households. And the parent is the slave. And that's not okay either. That's, dis- that's just as disrespectful, but just in, in the other order. And so we go back and forth between who is ruling who and who is pushing who around. And we just need to get off that paradigm altogether. So learning how to share power appropriately is learning how to establish limits and boundaries in a way that's respectful and, um, and not a, in a dictatorship is something that parents have to learn. And, and they really have to learn it through a parent education class or through a book because most of us have no history of it. It's not the way we were raised. And so uh, learning how to get out of power struggles, uh, learning how to empower kids without them dominating the house, those are, those are really true issues for many, many parents. Is, is cultivating respect the same as cultivating confidence or part and parcel of one another? I, I would say it's a piece of. I would say for sure it's a piece of. Um, but that, just as you say, repl- have, being respect in respectful relationships with your kids, that's what's going to win cooperation. And if you're in a respectful relationship with the adults, the leaders of the family, uh, and, and the messages that you're getting is that you're competent and we care about you enough to listen to your input and, and, uh, and listen to your opinions. And you can help us have some say in some of the uh, deciding of how the family operates. Not all the say, but some say, um, you know, age-appropriate say. Then you've got a kid who says, hey, you know what, I'm valued and I'm lovable and I'm important to people. And what I have to contribute is, is needed and, and respected. That's going to give you a kid who's confident. Are we too involved with our, you know, this back and forth communication, you know, there's that helicopter parent um, title. And is this back and forth communication causing us to be too involved? Are we expecting too much from our kids? Where do we as parents learn to draw the line between having them too involved in what the family dynamic is and, and, and not having them too involved? Uh, it's a great question. I would definitely say that we've erred on the side of, of being hypervigilant and, and infantilizing our kids, treating, treating them as if they're incapable, rescuing them for fear that they're going to have some psychic injury if they struggle against, you know, uh, simple things like, um, you know, being put in a class where they don't like the teacher or their best friend isn't sitting in the desk beside them and we call the school and say, this, you know, my child doesn't like their desk assignment, move them. This is over-involvement. This is rescuing kids and clearing the path of life for them. And it's not helpful. It's, it's not helpful to be over-enmeshed, um, we call it in psychobabble, <laughs> to be enmeshed with our kids like that. That's really serving our need. That's our need to control or our need to be validated or our need to have um, involvement and find love and importance through our role as a parent to an unhealthy degree. So where is that line? You know, it's a hard thing to just give a, a, a definition because every dynamic is, is, is sort of different. But I do look at, you know, what is the parent's intention? What's their motivation? What are they trying to accomplish? And, and it's often self-serving rather than really for the child. So I say to parents, you know, we have to look at the job of parenting as developing our kids' skills in an age-appropriate, developmentally appropriate way so that they can not only become autonomous and run their own life, um, but to, 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 to be, like I said, not autonomous such that they're so individualistic that they always have to get their own way, but how to function in a way that allows them to be in healthy relationships with friends and lovers and, 
and uh, in the workplace. So to be interdependent with one another, that's that being a team player. Um, so you know, I would I would ask the parent, for example, whose job is it to to eat healthily? Well, it's a parent's job to buy healthy food, model healthy eating, put healthy food on the table at the right time. But it's a child's job. Once they can pick up a fork and spoon and cut their own pork chop, it's their job to get the food into themselves. So I, I might go through a decision tree like that. You know, what have you taught them? What do they know? What skills do they have? Now it's time for you to hand off that responsibility and let them struggle with it and, and let them make some mistakes and help them recover from those mistakes. But if you don't hand over the responsibility, you're stunting their growth rather than helping their growth. Can this be part of the big, big puzzle of stress that these children just don't know how to function once they're beyond the family nest? That is a big part of it. You know, that anxiety is, um, there's a part that's genetic, but there's certainly a part that's learned. And if you haven't developed competencies such that you can count on yourself, well, of course, then you're like an infant. You know, that, that's why an infant is so distressed when their primary caregiver walks away. Because they, they can't, I can't feed myself, I can't talk, I can't thermoregulate. If somebody doesn't feed me, if someone doesn't wrap me in a blanket, I'm going to die. Of course I'm going to scream out when I see my parent leaving. But as you get older, you realize, oh, you know, I, I can put my own coat on. Um, my nursery school teacher can bring me my snack at snack time. I'll manage, I'm okay, I can count on me. And those feelings of confidence can be a protective factor from, from uh, anxiety. Now, anxiety is certainly more complicated than that, mm-hmm. but, um, but, but building confidence to prevent against those temporary anxieties sure will go a long way for sure. Now, I just had somebody uh, give me a, a question here, so it's a little bit left yeah. of center, but it, it's sure. kind of relevant to the times. What do you think of sleeping patterns, especially through the holidays? Is it important to keep kids regulated? We're not talking older kids, obviously, but younger kids. Yeah. Important to keep them regulated or, you know, let them live and let live during the holiday season? Well, I think a parent will quickly discover that if you um, change the sleeping patterns too greatly, what you'll end up getting is a tired child who then falls apart emotionally. They can't emotionally regulate as well when they're tired. And neither can we. You know, we'll be mm-hmm. more quick to temper and, and more likely to yell. And they'll be more likely to not be cooperative and have temper tantrums or, or whatever they might do. So each age is a little bit different and each kid's temperament is a little bit different about how, how much they can be off cycle. So you know your child best. But I do believe to be able to say, you know what, the cousins are coming. Um, they're not going to leave until 10 o'clock. I think we can you know, um, forego your regular bedtime tonight. But after two days or three days of being away, I might say, you know what, we probably need to go home and have a couple of days of regular bedtimes, regular nap times to get us back into cycle so that the whole holiday isn't just one cry fest. <laughs> so another place um, you can negotiate. Yes, and, and I think with little, little kids, the closer you keep to your family routines, the more successful you're going to enjoy your holidays. True enough, true enough. Have family fun for everybody. Allison, it right. has been a, a terrific, terrific conversation, and I really do appreciate this so much. I know you're so busy, and I'm so appreciative that you took the time to talk with us. We could go on forever oh. and ever. You're so engaging and so knowledgeable, and I could just like take you aside and talk myself to you. But well, uh, <laughs> let's hope in 2018 we get another opportunity to have a chat with you and your parenting audience. That would be lovely. Oh, it would be. I'll hold you to that now. I'll hold okay, you to that right, now. Absolutely. Now, I'll, I'll make good on my word. And before we sign off, um, you can find out all about Allison at uh, allisonshafer.com. That's A-L-Y-S-O-N. S-C-H-A-F-E-R.com. I'll put that up on our Facebook page and um, on Instagram. And Allison's going to give us 
one tip, one or two tips, whatever she she has on the tip of her tongue here just before we sign off. So, Allison, if you if you want to say something, go ahead and end off the show nicely. So I would say the number one tip I would give for parents as they enter into 2018 is to look into mindfulness meditation. And many people probably think that they can't meditate. They tried it. It didn't work for them, whatever. Um, I would suggest investigating uh, some of the new apps that are on the market like um, Mindspace or 10% Happier. Um, They've got ones for kids. And give it another try. I think it's a little different than than people's preconceived notions, but all the research at this conference, all the research points to this as really being a a key to our our, our emotional regulation, to our happiness, um, to co-regulating with our children. So I think it's one of the most vital skills that many, many, many parents are missing out on because they simply have a preconceived notion of what meditation is. Perfect. I align with that completely. This podcast has been full of full of parenting information. So the show's been full of parenting information. And it will be a podcast up on iTunes and on SoundCloud. So you can certainly go back and take your time and go through all the wonderful and knowledgeable information that's been passed on to you. And before we sign off of our last live show, 2017, I wanted to let you know again that we do have two new tape shows that will be coming your way during the holidays. And we will be back live on January 9th with Dr. Deanna Minnick, who will be talking about ways to form habits and make them stick. I would also like to take a moment to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in each week and for downloading and subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. The first year of the Health Hub, I must say, has gone well beyond the goals that we set for ourselves, and we are committed to bringing you outstanding guests covering trending health topics that will help and continue you on your health journey. And to you, Alex, I would like to thank you for your kindness, your patience, and your support as you guided me through this new adventure uh, on the Health Hub. I am forever grateful, and thank you very, very much. So on behalf of both Alex and myself, we would like to wish you and your family God's blessings throughout the holiday season and health, love, and peace in 2018. Merry Christmas to everybody. Have a wonderful holiday. Thank you, Allison, so much. What a great way to end 2017. And we will talk to you again on the Health Hub in 2018. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.